just imagine the tender version of finding your healthcare professional. More on this in this episode of Stationed with Stories. Station with Stories. That's it. All right. You are listening to Stationed with Stories. I am your host, Kalisha Hollis-Jesse. And before we get started, let me just let y'all know that these are all my thoughts, my thoughts, my thoughts. And they do not represent or reflect the positions, opinions, or views of the U.S. Armed Forces in any way. All right, y'all. Happy April. Yes, we are in this thing. Spring has sprung. And, uh, you know, there's another book to be reviewed, right? More topics about Mill Spouse Life and more flash fiction. So let's just jump into it. Hi, peeps. The book that I read over the past week, it actually was another book club book because y'all know how I am in these book clubs. And if you don't know, if you are new to the podcast, y'all, I love to read. I really do. And I like the social aspect of book clubs. And so I might have said this a couple of episodes ago, but I joined a local library's book club. And this is the Social Justice Book Club. And it, it seems like they have a different topic that they cover each month. And so this past month was Ability, okay? So the book is called Being Seen, One Deaf-Blind Woman's Fight to End Ableism, okay? It came out in 2022, and the writer, the author, is Elsa Unison. And she actually is local to Seattle. We are stationed currently just north of Seattle at the Everett Naval Base. And yeah, so that is quite nice to have an author who's local and maybe that's why they chose it. But y'all, let me get into these three words that I would use to describe the book. Okay, number one, confrontational. Two, snarky. Three, motivational. Okay, confrontational. Now, y'all, this book, from the very first pages, the woman is talking to you, the reader, and challenging your assumptions about what it means to be deafblind. And, you know, I've worked in the social justice sphere for, I mean, for many years, and especially when I was in education and working with a diverse population of students that that was that's what I did okay I've done trainings done a lot throughout my career in the social justice sphere and ableism does not come up very often honestly it really it really gets overlooked particularly in the spaces that I've been in and those are usually privileged spaces those are spaces with people who have, you know, lots of resources and tend to be very elite academic spaces, tend to be spaces with lots of movement and innovation and forward thinking and ableism, I think, gets looped in with that's not something we deal with so much here, okay? 
And there's so many reasons why that's just not the case. It's not true. But the conversation on ableism just does not really get addressed. And I remember some early work with ableism in a master's class when I was in my first master's. It was a higher education master's. And I took a class that had at least a unit or a section or a project on on different issues in the higher education sphere in that realm. And I wanted to learn more about ableism. So this book was a great hearkening back to that that memory that I had of doing those courses and that, that coursework. But y'all, she's confrontational in here. Listen, because all the little stuff I thought I'd learned or things I, I knew, I didn't know it well enough for sure. And there's always, you know, you know that you can always, you can always learn more. And she challenges you up front. So it was, you know, for someone like me, I wouldn't say I was an expert at at uh, ableism at all, but she let me know just how many assumptions and biases and prejudices and just wrong conceptions, misconceptions of being deafblind that I had. So it is confrontational, okay? She, with her her style, right? She she goes at it. She's, she talks about the thing, okay? She makes a thing apparent to you by challenging what she assumes she knows. And obviously, she has assumptions about her readers. It really is written toward a non-disabled audience, although I imagine that is very, very empowering and well-read by people who do have disabilities, but she really is talking to the non-disabled audience and she she pretty much knows what you think you know and what you really don't know about ableism and about being deafblind, okay? So confrontational and in, in a good way, like it really challenged me. And that was from the very first page, okay? Second word is snarky. And she uses the word snark in the in the book. She she talks about her snarkiness and she likes it. That's that's something that she wears as a badge of honor. And let me tell you, the prose is snarky in a lot of places. Speaking of the prose and snark, she uses footnotes. Now, at some point she references this book as a memoir. I did not read this book as a memoir. And if you've been with the podcast for a while, you know I like memoirs. I don't review them all of the time, but I've had a number of memoirs that I've reviewed on this podcast. And I would say this book is, I mean, in her mind, maybe a memoir, but for me, it is more of a social critique. And she does a lot of media critiquing, critiquing of our television and movies and how they include able-bodied people juxtaposed to non-able-bodied or disabled people and how problematic many of the images of disabled people are in our media. So that's very interesting. And she also talks a little bit about um, the law, not so much, but she talks a little bit about just policy. And she definitely talks a lot about her own experiences with ableism, about accessibility, obviously, in certain places, in certain cities, buildings, all of that. She does a lot of critiquing. She even talks about relationships 
and how she's navigated romantic relationships with her disability. And of course, with childhood, what we teach children, how schools operate and really make life very difficult for the disabled. So anyway, very, very snarky, a lot, a lot of footnotes in terms of the pros and just how it's, it's structured. And I feel like that was a space for her snarkiness. You know, she might mention something and then there's a footnote and she's getting snarky in the footnote, <laughs> y'all. It is, it is quite interesting that structure that she has in the book, I think lends to her personality as well. The third word is motivational. Now, the word motivational, she probably would not like, okay? She says very plainly that she does not want to inspire and motivate non-disabled people who will look at her and say, oh, wow, she's done all these amazing things. She has done so many dangerous things and so many bold things. And she's deaf blind. I can do it too. No, she does not want you to walk away with that feeling, right? I definitely walk away with the book uh, as something that's very motivational for me. And when I say motivational, I mean, it motivates me to interrogate my own biases, my own privilege as it relates to being an able-bodied person. And so, yeah, that's why I would say it is motivational. And honestly, after I finished the book, I started to think about a lot of things in my life, even writing, being a writer and just thinking about what I choose to include in my writings and how people are portrayed. It it was just really a great eye opener for me. And so, yeah, it was a book that was confrontational, snarky, and motivational for me. And in particular, in terms of the writing structure, and I mentioned structure before, it is not a book that is the most eloquently organized book I've ever read, but it definitely has great impact, a potential for great impact, I think. And so yeah, the book is being seen, One Deafblind Woman's Fight to Enableism by Elsa Unison. Came out in 2022. Pick it up if you so choose. All right, y'all, moving on to the topic of the day. Y'all. So currently I'm having a little situation, a little dental situation. I am still very new to the area, to this duty station. And I, I mean, I was thinking about this even before we moved, even before we PCS'd, I was thinking, darn it, I have to find another doctor. And let me tell y'all, doctor searching is for the birds. Doctor searching, searching for a new primary care physician, searching for a new dentist, searching for a new eye doctor or, or and whatever other doctors you may have. For me, it is not fun. It's for the birds. I'm, I'm not about it. I'm not for it. I'm against it. Okay. So there's that. Okay. So I, I know if you are in the Mills Boss community, you know that one of the most commonplace Facebook posts that you will see on a general page for spouses is, does anyone have a good recommendation for doctors? Insert XYZ specialist, okay? And sometimes people will tell you their situation. They have a child with special needs. They 
have, you know, a particular uh, foot issue and they need a podiatrist, like they'll, they'll tell you certain things, right? And people will comment. And obviously these, these things tend to be circular. I usually do not put an original post about doctors just because I know I can search the group and find what people said three months ago and that information will not change largely, okay? But it's just not fun. I don't love it. I don't enjoy it. And y'all, TRICARE, mm-hmm. and for those who are not male spouses or not in the military life, TRICARE is the military's or at least the Navy's. And I think this is across the military, but that is the insurance agency that takes care of military members and their families. So TRICARE for me, y'all just, and there's different levels, just like other insurance agencies. But if you're looking for a doctor on the websites, like I try to do and I've tried to do, Y'all, it's just outdated. Why? Why are you so outdated? I remember, and I kid you not, when we were stationed in San Diego, I was looking on the website trying to find doctors in my area. And I saw one that seemed to be a good fit and found out that this doctor has moved to Hawaii. Hawaii. Why are you in TRICARE's network in San Diego, why is this not updated? Anyway, y'all, so it got me to thinking, okay? It got me to thinking we need doctors to advertise to us, okay? And not only, you know, when you get to a new place, like, you know, you move into a new apartment and they're sending all these circulars to you and these discounts like, you just moved in. We are in the area. You have this discount that you can take advantage of, right? You know you know what I'm talking about, right? We need that type of diligence when it comes to our health, okay? And our doctors. Listen, I don't need a 20% off living room set, but I do need a female doctor with cultural competency to examine my lady parts and make sure that everything is in working order. That's what I need. Right. You know, those circulars is like you get 20 percent off if you need a, you know, kitchen set or whatever. We have mattresses off. No, I don't need that. OK, I need a doctor. I need to see someone. I need to have this regular health care thing sorted out when I get here, because there's so many things to sort out, y'all. But just imagine. Right. And let me take it a step further. Y'all, we need Tinder. We need a swipe left, swipe right for our health care professionals, okay? Just imagine the tender version of finding your health care professional. Now, let me just say this on the front end that I have never used Tinder, but it's one of those platforms where most people of a certain age heard of Tinder and how it works. And what I understand is that it's just a swipe left, swipe right situation. And you put all your information in on the front end and you get matched, Mm-hmm. You get matched. And just imagine, listen, the tender for doctors to get my medical professional person set up with me matched. Oh, that would be amazing. Every move, every PCS, you just move your data, right? Move your, your location to a new place. And then, you know, you, you can match with doctors in your area. Y'all, I need that. 
We need that. Okay. Can you imagine and see, these are my parameters. This is what I want to match on. Okay. I need to know your years of practice, your specialty or specialties, what insurances you accept, how far you are from a specific location, any languages you speak. I would like you as my medical professional to put that information in and then I can put my information of what I want in and then just let the tender for doctors work. Y'all, does this already exist and I not know about it? Do I not know that there is something that's going to match me with a doctor that I don't have to do all the work of searching and looking online and looking at reviews? Okay. Oh, yes. Add that to that. I don't know if Tinder does this, but if, if we can have some reviews on the doctor, uh, on the little Tinder for doctor apps, do that too. Okay. Cause that, I like to read the reviews and people tell me about the doctors and that would be just great. You know, I want a four star or higher doctor only. Mm-hmm. Match me on that. Yes. Match me on that. Y'all. So I don't know about anyone else, but for sure that is one of the pain points of moving all the time. And if you've been with me for a while, you know, I've talked about this. I have moved every single year since 2019, I think, at least to that. Maybe it was 2018. Literally, I have, I've moved so much. And it, this applies to non-military families too, because I moved a lot as a non-military person, okay, outside of being married to a military member. Listen, I where did I live? I think I lived in Arkansas in 2017. I moved to Spain, Madrid area in 2018. I moved to Massachusetts in 2019. In 2020, I moved to Rhode Island. In 21, I moved to California, San Diego area. In 22, I moved to Japan. Yokosuka base, 23, here we are, and now I'm in Washington State. So just just imagine, y'all, all that I have had to do to get the right match for my primary care physician and a good dentist at the very least. And I also, I need my corrective lenses. I have my glasses. You know, I need to find the right ophthalmologist too or optometrist too. And y'all... It's just a lot. It's a lot. So if I'm missing out and there is some type of tender for doctors or finding doctors type of situation, let me know, y'all. Don't have me out here struggling yet another year in another move trying to figure out life. Because that's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to figure out life. And when you move a lot, a new doctor search is just not what you want to have to deal with. Okay. And y'all, I know you felt that. I'm just, you just don't go back, but you felt my pain, right? With this doctor search. And I really do have a situation now that I have to call around and figure out who can deal with my dental situation quick. Because, right, the last doctor who dealt with his dental situation is in Arkansas and I'm in Washington. And that was years ago. And, oh, yes. Okay. Anyway, moving on, let's move on to the last portion of the podcast. And that is flash fiction. And I actually wrote this one. I was writing on a prompt and in a prompt group because I have a prompt writing group that I like to attend online. They're 
great bunch of people. And I always feel inspired when I'm getting with them. Even if I don't write something that I love, I love being able to listen to what people wrote after those, you know, 12, 15 minutes of prompt writing. So this is what I came up with this past week. And it actually was going left when I first started writing from the prompt. And then I started all the way over and came up with this. And the name of this piece is called She Had One Job. After you finish shoveling out the ashes, go ahead and start us up a fire, won't you? Marlo said. Her son rolled his eyes. He asked that she pick up marshmallows for s'mores. His mother kept chocolate bars in her nightstand like hidden treasures. She always had graham crackers and packed them in his lunch pail with peanut butter sandwiched between them. But she didn't keep marshmallows stocked. And she'd forgotten to buy them. The one thing he'd asked for as she headed off for her pre-storm panic buying spree at the Piggly Wiggly. And now they were snowed in. Now the lights were out. Now he had to shovel ashes from the fireplace until the grate was clean enough to load with pine logs that his mother would top with a cast iron skillet full of rabbit stew. Just great. All right, y'all, that is it for this episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. I definitely enjoy being with you all every Monday. And listen, if you have not been on the website, get to the website. You are able to read all of the flash fiction and I have poetry there and some essays, all the good stuff that you hear at the end of the podcast. You can read it. If you, you are more of the person who likes to see it on the page, it is there for you on the website, stationwithstories.com. And obviously, if you want to reach out to me, you can definitely do that there. I'm also on Instagram, stationed underscore story. That is where I am. You will see my life and be able to communicate with me via Instagram as well. And of course, the podcast that you are listening to right now, Wherever you are listening to the podcast, give it all the stars, rate it, let the people know in your comments about the podcast how much you love Stationed With Stories. You are in the right place. I'm always happy to have you here and I will be back next Monday. My name is Kalisha Hollis-Jesse. I am your host. This is Stationed With Stories. Bye, peeps. (laughs) 